to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today our guest is Antoine Campbell. And he is an African-American entrepreneur, real estate investor, and business consultant. He is the founder of four virtual businesses, Antoine Campbell Enterprise, Antoine Campbell University, Prospect Vault IO, and Ecom Plug that he runs remotely from Maryland, along with operating a real estate business. So Antoine, thank you so much for being on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. So Antoine, can you share with our listeners a little bit more about your background and how you found real estate and how you've been utilizing that to help with the financial freedom and how you think about finances? Yeah. So a little bit about me. I'm born and raised from Washington, D.C. When I was young, I used to work with my granddad on the weekends and he was into the real estate business. He was the guy that was the contractor side of things, fixing up the houses, pouring concrete, taking an old roof off, replacing it with new shingles. He was that guy. I got a chance to see the business from firsthand to see how this business works. And back in that time, like I was about, I say, I started working with my granddad like nine, 10. So I worked with him all the way till I was like 17. DC wasn't really as a hot real estate market as it is today. So the stuff we was doing was really high end stuff, like the better part of town. It was one point in time in DC where you couldn't even go, you know, to a certain part of town without feeling threatened. So once I was working with my granddaddy, he showed me a lot of stuff, a lot of back end stuff that you should do how to handle your business. And then when I got older, um, I graduated uh, Crossland High School in Temple Hills, Maryland in 2007. I wanted to get into real estate. I was a kid that uh, stayed up all night watching them little infomercials talking about you can do real estate, you can invest in real estate with no money down. And that really interests me. Once I graduate 07, the, the market kind of crashed. So my plan is to be a real estate investor slash realtor because I thought you had to be a realtor in order to invest in real estate. I didn't know no better. Kind of was put on like pause because my mother and father, they lost their house. And I assumed that everybody else was losing their house because, you know, my parents lost their house, you know, through foreclosure. Long story short, I ended up going, I didn't never went to college. I ended up going to go, you know, just work jobs to figure out what I want to do in my life. And my friend Jeremy called me and told me that this hotel was doing this crazy hiring. The hotel is called Gaylord National. And I went down there with thinking that they wouldn't hire me, but I just went down there just because it's a big job fit. And I met this guy named Bar, and he told me, you know, what could you do? And I said, hey, listen, if you hire me just to wash dishes, I'll do that. And come to find out, Bar was the, like, superintendent of dishwashers. He was in charge of every single piece of dish in that building, which was, like, 500000 plates and stuff. He hired me and he paid me $12.40 an hour, right? And that, to me, that was life-changing because at the time I was working at McDonald's making like eight fifteen, eight twenty-five. I was ecstatic to tell people, hey, listen, I'm out of here in two weeks. And to be making as much as the store manager was making at McDonald's, I felt accomplished at the age of 18. So long story short, I got hired there. I met my wife, LaShawn. Well, we didn't meet there, but I met her during that time back in 2010. I went up dating, um, getting married, having a, a son. For me, it was really just following my entrepreneurial aspirations. 
so my entrepreneurial aspiration was to always get into real estate. So they promoted me at the hotel. I ended up making you know, like fifty five, sixty thousand a year. I told my wife I wasn't happy, right? And I told her like, "Hey, I want to invest in a business." But at the time, we was getting our taxes back. So I told her, "Let's take this tax return um, and invest in something that's going to kind of like you know change our future." Because working a job, to me personally, is not a good long term solution. Because what we they call at will employer any given time you can be laid off. And that didn't sit right with me. So we took the tax return money that year and invested in our first business. It wasn't real estate. It was actually a tag agency. So the DMV in the state of Maryland allows you to partner with them and open up these tag agencies that people come to your office instead of going to the DMV and waiting in line. And you can give them tags right there on the spot. You can process their title work. That went well, right? I ended up having two, three offices. We struggled for a while because my focus was my job. But the one thing I learned when they let me go from that job was I came home crying to my wife. She said, you know what, baby, put your head down. You still got our business to focus on. And literally the business was struggled before that. But after I got laid off and I literally had time to focus on the business, in six months, the business started to do $20,000, $30,000 net profit a month. So that changed my life, honestly. And that allowed me to save to get into real estate. So now. When I told my wife, I said, hey, I want to do real estate. I'm not really happy with the tag team because, it's, once again, it felt like a job. It's regulated, and you got to answer to the state of Maryland. So we ended up taking what we have saved, and we invested in our first property in Washington, D.C. back in, I want to say, 2016. Yeah, 2016. We fixed and flipped our first house. And ever since then, I've just been going strong. Wow. So that's an incredible story to be able to take your, or at least have the wherewithal and the idea to take your tax returns to invest it in a business to start generating some additional money for yourself and for your family. And then when your job had let you go, you were able to focus all of your energy and really build up that business and turn it around within the six months time period to be able to generate enough active income so that you can take that and put it into some type of more of a real estate investment in your fix and flips to generate some more income. And then is that what you continue to do afterwards? Yeah. So, you know, long story short, I started doing wholesaling and then I stumbled across this thing called virtual wholesaling. I had a friend by the name of John Mai when I got into real estate telling me, because at the time we, we was just trying to find deals on the MLS and we were just trying to you know, our local really, the, the guy, he's so outdated, no disrespect to anyone, but he was teaching us to make offers on the MLS and that wasn't really working. So my friend John Mike called me and said, hey, my friend, this girl I know, she has these virtual assistants. I said, okay, what are virtual assistants? But it clicked to me like, yo, this sounds like something I'm interested in. He said, these virtual assistants, they will work for four bucks an hour, three bucks an hour, some of them two bucks an hour. And I was scratching my head and said, who in the world will work for $3 an hour, $4 an hour? So then I started doing my homework about it. You ever learn like something and then next thing you know, you just indulge in it for the next three days. That's how I was with the VAs. And I realized that, wow, these VAs are being paid fair when I looked at the difference in the currency, we leveraging the value of the dollar. I said, okay. So he introduced me to the girl. I didn't like her attitude. She treated me like trash. She talked to me any type of way. She talked to the employees any type of way. Long story short, she wanted $6 an hour for the VA. And the VA was only going to be paid $2 an hour, which means the girl was parking at $4 for every hour the girl worked. I didn't feel like that was a good transaction for me or the VA because her morale would be down that she's not making as much. 
And then this lady's making all the money. She's not doing anything. I felt like I would get the short end of the stick. So I told the girl, I said, listen, I don't like you, right? But here's what we're going to do. I would like to just pay you a fee for you finding me this VA, and I manage her directly. We worked out a fee. I think it was like 100 bucks, 150 bucks. Send it to a PayPal. And the rest is history. And then once I started working with the VAs, because my first business, I had employees. So what I realized was the VAs is a hack to get employees because you don't have to pay $70,000, $80,000 a year in salary to people. You can literally get a VA for less than six grand a year. I'm like, wow, this is a way I can scale my business. So long story short, 2017, 2018, I really got aggressive on virtual wholesaling, just posting, being transparent about what I'm doing. I didn't realize a lot of people wasn't doing the things I was doing. I got invited to a podcast by the name of Real Estate Disruptors, Steve Train. I don't know if you know who he is. Yep. Yeah, he's really big out in Arizona. And um, I just went out there and he called me, hey, bro, I want you my podcast. I'm like, I'm not as accomplished as the guys that was before me on your podcast. That's what I felt like. He said, no, 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 your story people need to hear. So I said, okay. Me and my wife, we flew out Phoenix. I really didn't know what to expect. So we sit in there. I'm a little nervous. We go live. And I'm just telling them about the way I'm running my business with these VAs. And next thing you know, before I get off the podcast, my Instagram had like 100 DMs within the first hour. It was crazy. And ever since that episode, my life literally changed because I went from just focusing on me to people wanting me to focus with them too and help them. And for, for a few months, I put that stuff off. I was like, hey, I'm not in it for the attention. I don't want to help nobody. I still got a lot I want to do and I want to accomplish. And I said, I feel like the... 250th DM I got for someone. I said, you know what? I'm going to make a course. I'm going to teach people. Because at that time, in order to get a VA, you even have to go through an agency or you had to go to Fiverr. And then most people, they didn't know like how to manage and create a business. They're just trying to do wholesale on the side. So I said, I'm going to create this course called VA Mastery. And literally, um, I created it in one night. I was in my bedroom, sitting at the desk. My wife's sleeping. You can still hear her snoring in, a, in some of the videos. <laughs> because I'm thinking my friends that I know are real estate majors, but I didn't know, you know, people was going to buy it. And that thing, that course helped so many people create six-figure businesses, literally. I don't know anybody who made, well, it is a few people who made seven-figure business off my course. But that course changed the trajectory of how you can run a business because I was teaching them all this stuff, how to hire and scale a VA. And literally... I started to focus on virtual wholesaling and that went well. My fix and flip business went well. And then I say around late 2020, I had four or five rehabs going on and I started to think about it. You know, then my contractors giving me a double bid, like, okay, this was usually 5K, but they saying it's 8K. Like, what's going on with the prices? Go to Lowe's and stuff. Lumber, like, I don't know if you remember when Lumber was sky high. And I was like, this doesn't make sense for me, right? I don't want to do something that can potentially put me in a bad financial situation. So me and my wife talked about it and I put the fix and flip business on pause and just took like a break. You know what I mean? Because to me, it's not about my ego. And if anybody listens to this podcast, the first thing in real estate is get your ego in check, right? Because you can make two or three bad moves and literally be in bankruptcy court. So I decided to put my fix and flip business on pause and I started to focus more on virtual wholesaling. And then as I did that, things got a lot easier for me when it comes to my deal flow because I wasn't running back forth to the job and picking up materials. And that's not really a job that you want to have, honestly. And I'd say about 2020, the end of 2021, I said, you know what, I'm going to take some time off. I had some other businesses going on. They was going really well. I was scaling. Took some time off from virtual wholesaling. Still helped a lot of people. 
But I took time off for me because thank God I had the luxury to do that because I had other incomes. And that's what understand. tell people, you don't have to put all your eggs in one basket. You can have other sources of income. Now, these sources of income might run parallel to your main thing, but you shouldn't just be depending on one thing. You know what I mean? Imagine if you just held only Bitcoin and you had no other diversification in your crypto portfolio, you would literally lose a lot of money. That's the same thing as an entrepreneur, the concept that I kind of came up with with myself is no matter what, Antoine, because I read this book by Tony Robinson. I forgot the name of it. It's this big book. It took me like, I want to say it took me like a month to read that book. And he was just talking about diversification and all that stuff. And I said, why aren't entrepreneurs diversifying their business holdings the same way stock investors do? So when I decided to take that break, my income didn't really slow down. It actually picked up even more because of the businesses. You know, now, like, to this day, I'm getting back into virtual wholesaling. I just hired, uh, I want to say I have seven VAs to do cold calling, SMS. I just joined Tim Brock's mastermind. I don't know if you know who Tim Brock is. I just joined his mastermind because my biggest goal was to get into commercial real estate at the time when I first was trying to get into it. And then I went to a day Lindoff conference and I realized it was more complicated than I thought. That's how I ended up going to fixing and flipping houses because I didn't really want to do that. But now I have the tools and the resources and I know lead generation and marketing. I told myself this year, just go into what your passion and what your heart is. You know, you, your other businesses taking care of you financially. Now I'm able to kind of focus on the multifamily thing, go into virtual wholesaling even deeper, and then partner with a bunch of people and do JV deals. That's what I've been doing for since I've been on my kind of sabbatical, just doing a lot of JV stuff. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. So with your virtual wholesaling and hiring VAs, what would you attribute that you were doing differently than other people who were also using virtual assistants that kind of differentiated yourself within the business to be able to help expedite your growth and to get you to where you are? I treated them like they was actual real employees, right? When I see a lot of people who hire VAs, they just hire them just for that specific task. So when I hire people, I don't just hire them for a specific task. I hire them with the future in mind. Okay, this person will be a great lead manager. This person will be a great acquisition manager. This person can really help me with marketing. This person can really help me with data management for skip tracing and stacking leads and lists. So I think a lot of people just like tunnel vision. They just hire cold callers. They don't really invest in them. They don't really listen to the calls. They don't really like weekly huddles and boost their morale. You know, cold calling is a very tough job mentally. Hearing people saying bad things to you and cussing you out, that can really kill your morale. So the things I was doing was I was pumping my cold callers up. And then not only that, I made my cold callers do text messaging too. So I, I scheduled a schedule where they're not cold calling five days a week. They may be cold calling two days and then maybe Monday and Thursdays. And then the in-between, they text messaging to keep their mind from collapsing. I think that's what you want to say. So how did you 
get the ideas or how did you discover what you needed within your business and utilize the virtual wholesalers to the best of their abilities to help you with what you needed? A lot of people, they might not have that entrepreneurship mindset on how to run a business, but somehow you were able to hone in using what knowledge that you had to be able to run a very successful business as an entrepreneur. So how did that come about? Multiple things. So my first business was like a big mastermind because it taught me about employee psychology and all of that stuff. So my goal was anything I do, how can I do and excuse myself on a day-to-day as quickly as possible? So then you could use these different mind map softwares like Lucid, that app, L-U-C-I-D. I used that and I mapped out what would it take from a customer becoming a co-lead all the way to the closing table? And I said, well, this position would need to be created. This person had to do this, 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 and that. And I tried to create something that was going to really drive workplace efficiency through the roof. And so when I looked at the VAs and I looked at their talents, I said, hey, these VAs, most of the VAs that work for me, I asked them. Some of them, they have these bachelor degrees, master degrees. Some of the VAs that work for me, they used to be accountants. And I'm like, so what made you come work from home? And the number one feedback I got from a lot of VAs was the convenience of being with their family. And I realized that, hold on, I can't speak for any other VAs because I only work with exclusively Filipinos for the last four or five years. It's all about culture, right? And once you understand that people appreciate their religion, they appreciate their time with their family, they appreciate their holidays, they appreciate their weekends off, that's how I started to build my virtual wholesaler business based on culture. I'm so interested in this because how did you like... With your background and is it working with your granddad and seeing how he ran his business, did you discover all the steps that you needed to take as an entrepreneur, looking at culture, treating the employees and your virtual assistants like how they would like to be treated? How did you come up to these realizations and what kind of, I guess, where did you pull from to be able to think about these things at this level? Well, I left out a lot with the hotel part because I didn't want to kind of like make it about that. But my granddad is dead and gone. He didn't die because of COVID, but he died during COVID. You know, just an old man. And he told me a lot of what not to do because he'd done a lot of business. And it wasn't really formal business. It was off the handshake. You know, old black man who grew up in the 40s. So he didn't really have the entrepreneurial spirit. He just had to hustle. So that gave me that type of mindset. Now, when I worked in the hotels, I worked in a banquet department, right? And I was in charge of bringing out food for the events. So... I was able to be around a lot of the Fortune 500 companies. I was able to be around a lot of different people, with different strategists, different consultants who bring the events to the hotel. And these people would leave behind workbooks and stuff. And I was the guy that was sitting in between the conferences, listening and reading through the workbooks. And I realized that you have to build structure. And then shout out to Gaylord Brands and Marriott Hotel because they invest millions of dollars in leadership and training and stuff. I took every class they had to offer. And they, they taught us that culture is before anything. Culture and your customers, right, is before anything and your employees. And when you combine all that stuff together, you have a great place to work and people want to stay. Well, I love that. I mean, you're grabbing and keeping your eyes open for any opportunities out there to learn. And basically, you're like a sponge to your entire environment and just soaking up everything that you could get your hands on, essentially, to be able to build up your education base and to look at how you wanted to run your business and how you could implement and incorporate a lot of that culture, a lot of that knowledge into what you wanted to do going forward in the future for your own business. Correct. Exactly. Awesome. So Antoine, I would love to ask also, 
For you, how has, as you've been building up and as you've been scaling, you know, focusing on wholesaling, doing some fix and flips as well. And then now you took some time off to focus on yourself, having a little bit of time and recuperating and just kind of focusing on yourself and what is most important to you. How has real estate investing impacted your life and how you think about money and how you think about investments and your overall financial freedom and personal impact? I mean, real estate has really impacted my life because what I realized was when I looked at everybody who had like real wealth, not, not like the guy who's flipped 10 houses a year and, you know, he put everything in his Amex and he shows off, like not that type of guy. But when you look at the Zuckerbergs, the Bill Gates and the Bezos and people that I admire and want to study and want to mimic, they made their money outside of real estate, right? And then what they did was they took the majority of their wealth and they dropped it back into real estate for a wealth preservation tool. So when I look at like Grant Cardone's, if you look at Grant Cardone, he has multiple businesses outside of real estate and then he drives and dumps that cash back into real estate. So one of the things that I will be doing and I do, I save, um, is to start to invest really heavy into long-term real estate, buying holes and multifamily things of that. So for me, it just gives me responsibility because it teaches me that every dollar that you get, you shouldn't spend. Right. Like when I worked at the hotel, I'll be honest with you, I live paycheck to paycheck. Right. But then as I started to become an entrepreneur, I realized that things can go wrong every day. And if you need a thousand for this, you need 500 for that, you need 10,000 for this, you have to have reserves. You have to have multiple bank accounts. You have to be responsible. You have to sometimes put yourself on a budget. Okay. You know, anybody who's starting off a business and is making money, don't go spend all the money. Put yourself on a budget. Say, okay, I'm going to pay myself 4K a week. If you're making 100K a month, pay yourself 4K a week. That's 16000 out of 100K. The other difference is you save for taxes and, and for a rainy day. So one of the things that I do teach myself and my clients is, hey, listen, business isn't stabilized until we have two to three years of reserves. So if we have another COVID, if we have anything that's detrimental, if you, God forbid, you're getting a bad constant and you're unconscious, business can survive um, until you figure out what to do to turn the corner. No, fantastic. I love that. And I really appreciate all that advice and how you look at finances and the information that you're also providing to our listeners as well. And for myself, I think it's really valuable. And how, and what I think is interesting too is that you said the business is not stable until you have two to three years of reserves. And I think that that is fantastic because sometimes a lot of people, they look at reserves maybe six months in time frame. Why did you decide two to three years was a good number? Because two to three years is the average that most big bad things happen. It's like a pandemic, a cycle, a bubble. If you decided and you know for a fact you believe in your company, you can tap into the reserves and maybe have a burn and still pay people until you get to this hump. Because who in the world wants to let go quality people? You know how hard it is to get quality people? Only one out of 10 employees make it past two years, right? So you have to be responsible and say, hey, if my business is going to last and maintain, like when I looked at this type of model, I looked at the uh, Vanderbilts and the Rockefellers and stuff, they had a lot of cash on their balance sheet. They made good quality investments and they thought about the future. They thought about 200 years from now, not just next quarter, next year, but a really long-term investing approach. And it was innovators, right? So you have to really look at your business and say, how can I do things different and go against what people currently do in order to kind of like protect myself when the night falls on the table. And so what is the one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? Um, that you don't really necessarily need good credit if you want to do fix and flip or buy and hold. 
and that private money is a relationship business. It's not really, here's a report, give me money, but it's really meeting people, going to dinner with them, sending them gifts, letting them meet your spouse, vibing like that to the point where people feel that you're good enough to work with. And then the last thing is, what is the one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate investing? The one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate investing is the people that are successful, they just focus on the future, no matter how tough whatever is in front of them is now. They always think ahead. They're not quitters. They don't come up with an exit plan. They don't, like, they just push through, right? And they're willing to put their money up and hire good quality people early in the process. They want to pay a premium for things. They want to invest in coaching and training. They're willing to network. They're willing to hit the road for two, three, four days. And they're not making excuses. They're not big on excuses. Antoine, I so appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all of this with us. I love your story, how you think about finances and how you think about building up wealth, looking at the long term, not just the short term. And so I'm super excited that we were able to connect and you were able to come on and share your story with us today. I really appreciate that. I appreciate you for having me on. Thank you so much. So Antoine, if our listeners also wanted to find out more about you, get in touch, where's the best place that they can go? They can just go straight to my website, ceo929.com. Everything I got going on is on there. You click buttons, whatever you're trying to accomplish, we can help you. Or they could just follow me on IG, ceo929. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Antoine. Thank you. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate. We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.